Forgotten Flicks, episode 104, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 1987. I'm to drive you to Wichita to catch a train? Yeah, we'd appreciate it. Train don't run out of Wichita. Hmm? Unless you're a hog or a cattle. <coughs> People train runs out of stub bill. That'll be fine. That'll be, That'll be just fine. Oh. Oh, leave it be. Get your lazy behind out here and put that trunk up in the back. Oh, no, no, the work, we've got it. It's very heavy. She don't mind. She's short and skinny, but she's strong. Her first baby, come out sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. Isn't that something? You're a real trooper. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. I am Joel, and I am joined as always by the lovely Jason. <laughs> My last one came out sideways too. Not even scream or nothing. Uh, well, Jason, I actually picked that that little <laughs> clip for a specific reason because, as as many folks know, we live in Central Florida. Yes, and it's the one that made me feel the most at home. Also, I'm pretty sure that's how we both talk to our wives. <laughs> and if we do, we're ghosts talking we're on the show right now. Yeah. No, just kidding, honey. Not that you ever listen to the show, but just letting you know. <laughs> so, yes. Welcome to Forgotten Flicks Podcast. If you're new to the show, we talk about really ancient old movies. So if you're under the age of, say, I don't know, 35. <laughs> well, okay. I'll say 30. Maybe, yeah. If you would use a hashtag in normal conversation. Yeah, like it, you've actually gone to the level where you, like that really obnoxious commercial, the Subway commercial. Have you seen that? Hashtag delicious. Ha oh, God. Shut up. And I love Twitter, but shut up. So, yes, if you're new to the show, we talk about movies primarily from the 80s. Occasionally, you know, eke into the early 90s and sometimes drip back into the late-ish 70s. But it's sort of movies that are representative of the heyday of the VHS rental era, an era that the, was the that peak, the peak, the peak, yeah, of our youth, yes, yes. Youths. nay, Youths. the summit, the summit, yeah, of our youth. <laughs> and it's a time that Jason and I remember fondly, maybe too fondly. That's why, as we like to say, we have a a, a just flaring, roaring, terrible case of CND. That's an automatic nostalgia disorder for you newbies out there. So yes, forgotten flicks podcast. We are talking about the movies. You most likely grew up with, and, and uh, this week we are very thankful. Thankful indeed. for you, indeed, for listening, you idiots. Uh, thankful for, for <laughs> By the you way, who followed us for all these years. Because... Idiots is what he calls me and all my personalities. But continue, Jason. <laughs> yes, um, thankful because it is Thanksgiving week, and we are incredibly grateful uh, to have been doing this for nary on three years. We are. You realize we are creeping up on three years of doing this shenanigans, which in dog years means like nothing. Old enough to drink, almost, almost, <laughs> almost. So, 
So it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, this uh, this episode, Wednesday, uh, before you start baking your bird, uh, so to speak. Um, so we, we thought about something we wanted to really pick that, that kind of signified Thanksgiving. Last year we did Dutch. Yep. And we're right? doing Ed another John Hughesian movie. Yep. Uh, Ed O'Neill and uh, uh, one that I, you hadn't seen that before we watched. No, had you? that was my first. I, I, I right. broke my Dutch cherry on that one. Yep. My cherry pie. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a good one, but this year we realized when we started talking about doing our holiday films, uh, we hadn't actually covered this, but you and I have both talked about it for many, many years. Um, and of course, the stars of the film we've we've talked about ad nauseum. We love these guys. So yeah. uh, we actually had to go back and check to make sure we yeah, hadn't covered it, it this. Was, it, was a, it was a funny conversation because it, it consisted <laughs> of something. I might be paraphrasing a bit here, but it went along <laughs> these lines. Hey, Jay, let's be playing Chains and Automobiles this year. Jay. Uh, I think we did that one. No, no, we could have done that one. Um, no, I, I don't know. That sounds familiar. I'm like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, oh, come on, no, no. And we went on like that for like an hour and a half. And then finally he just said, I, I could just, I could just pull up my phone and look it up. I was like, oh yeah. So he did. And it turns out we haven't. So here we are today. Planes, trains, and automobiles, 1987. Jason, would you like to hear a trailer? Oh, I would love to, because I this trailer is actually quite awesome. <laughs> All right, here it goes. <laughs> During holiday travel, some people get delirious, some get delayed, and some get Del Griffith. American Light Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Two happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, and a family. Paramount Pictures presents... Wilma! Steve Martin. You're going the wrong way! What? Are you mad at me? John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those are pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Plane, train, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hello game, hello game. The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at your local video rental store. We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, already in progress. Thank you, Great JV, and side note, <laughs> I believe an episode or so back, I bragged, nay, I, <laughs> really, I bragged, that we had <laughs> perhaps the lone remaining blockbuster within a multiple hundred oh, mile radius. That's right. Yep. It you had the time warp blockbuster yep. that still existed. Yep. Actually, this was for real. It was, it was renting movies and everything. As Did it a, have VHS tapes? Uh, it did not. 
but not for uh, lack of trying on my part. I would pick them up at Goodwill and smuggle them in and <laughs> stick them on the shelves. And they just didn't know how they got there. And, and then they finally, just disappeared. And- yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. So it is officially closed down. They were, as, as of last check, still selling off the inventory. So technically it's still open, but it's got the huge signs. I, I even went so far as to take pictures. One early morn, I got out there with my camera and I took multiple pictures of it. Figured, what the hell? The last one that I may be in a town where it exists until I open one up because I'm a brilliant entrepreneur. What? (laughs) It's kind of it's kind of the end of an era. I mean, you and I talked earlier this year, uh, back in March. I went on vacation up in the Smokies and I actually saw one up there. Of course, it was also liquidating its stock (laughs) and closing, going out of business. But um, it's it's definitely an icon of our of our uh, movie watching. Pinnacle in the times when we were kids and and running out VHS tapes and everything, yeah. but uh, it's sad to see it go in a way. I mean, I definitely agree with where um, the industry is going on demand. All that stuff is fantastic. I love it. I take advantage of it, but it it is sad to kind of see that part of our our childhood uh, fading away. Yeah, and and I will say that I think there will. Maybe not immediately. And there probably are some now. I'm pretty sure there are actually. Yeah, yeah. There will be boutique, the equivalent of yeah. you get record stores. I, there will never be another video I, rental store because there's licensing issues there. And I'm sure it just yeah, would be too yeah. expensive for somebody to start up a little mom and pop one store kind of thing at this point. But yeah. that aside, there still will be some form of they'll sell movies. There'll be a place where you can come in and, and I don't know what it would look like, but I'm sure there'll be people that will do some variation of that. Yeah. And maybe, you know, a place to to, to buy vintage VHS tapes. Yeah, and, something I mean, like that. They'll come back as a collector item, and there will still be places that have uh, specialist DVDs every so often. I mean, not just like a Best Buy or something, yeah. but yeah. Um, bigger one. But yeah, but that. So ex- anyway. but that. Ex- but that experience of just yeah. get wanting to see a movie and getting in your car and renting a movie and bringing it home and being just really annoyed to, to realize movies. it's not yep. rewound. They didn't follow the freaking nope. sticker. That's, and I will say it is interesting that I feel the sense of nostalgia for Blockbuster. A, because I worked for that. Well, it was a franchise, to be fair. It wasn't Blockbuster yeah. proper, but it was a franchise. Right. And it, it was it was awful. And I, I, it was the one job I've actually walked off of uh, in the middle <laughs> of my shift. And so I really don't know. I guess it's just the idea. Because I was always more of it. Was, you know, Blockbuster was like the Walmart of video stores. So... I was always more a fan of the mom and pop type video store. And those yeah. went away first, thanks to in large part to Blockbuster. And then you got like Hollywood video that came in a movie gallery. And I would always go to those way more than Blockbuster. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it was the last man standing, so to speak. And um, it is no more. So. Well, it, they still have blue boxes, so they're not completely are, are those going to go company? away though? Because didn't they, 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 aren't they shutting down their online service and everything? That's what I'd heard. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. they're definitely retracting, but it, they're not quite completely dead yet. Yeah. Um, but the store version, I mean, what you're talking about yeah. that I remember the most walking into a video store. Yeah. Uh, those are those are pretty much gone. By the way, I so did hear I think it was on NPR. There's about two to three hundred franchises that are allowed to stay open if they want to, but they're on their own. That was the, the gist. Right. Of it. Right. So they're going to attempt to. I don't know how long they'll last, but I, most of them I heard were in Alaska. And, <laughs> and we might and, have to make a road trip, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Just hit the my, last, the last remaining blockers. That'd be a great documentary. Just hitting them all as they close down. It'd be so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it would. That would make a great documentary. Yeah, yeah. I uh, need yeah, to film that. 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 So yeah, I, that, this, that's what I said, Jason. That's what. I, yes. See, Jason doesn't listen to me because he has me muted right now. What? Huh? No. Nothing. <laughs> so, so this film, 
I'm going to go on on a limb and say this. Many John Hughes films are sort of the quintessential pinnacle of the video rental era. Mm-hmm. Um, Mainstream, this, yes, I will agree with yes. that. Mainstream comedy, Planes, Trains, sure. and Automobiles, uh, uh, directed, written by John Hughes. And he is, in our minds, probably one of the uh, the quintessential 80s writer-director. I mean, he didn't mm-hmm. direct as many as he wrote, but very classic. Uh, the things that we think of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, uh, uh, Home Alone. And Breakfast Club, Breakfast 16 Club, Candles. Yes, yes, yeah. 16 Candles. The ones that if you were to ask a 20-something about 80s movies. Other than those 20-somethings out there, Shannon, who are totally <laughs> on top of it. No, yeah, not the, not the cinephiles who are yeah. deeper into film than that, yeah. but the ones who Mainstream. are more into yeah. contemporary film. Yeah. Right. Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Weird Science. Yes. Uh, you know, they, they would list off some of these films as the, the most well-known 80s films. So John Hughes, to me, represents that era mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more than anybody. Ba- so My favorite movie he ever wrote? It's a toss-up between Flubber <laughs> And 101 Curly Dalmatians. Sue. And, yeah, 101 Dalmatians. No, Curly Sue's oh, my favorite. I thought Curly Sue was your favorite. Favorite directorial effort, because I was... Oh, doesn't okay. it make you want to actually cry and, and <laughs> just, just vomit in your hat that that's his last directorial credit? Like, Uncle Buck could have been it. That could have been the last directorial, and I would have totally been cool with that. It's Curly Sue. Which um, is literally a bridge between John Hughes' awesome filmography and John Hughes' let's just pretend it didn't happen filmography. Well, yeah, yeah. You really can't so, even go any beyond that, can you? You're, like, you're like, I got I nothing. <laughs> can I go into the synopsis now? Yeah, please do. <laughs> so so this, <coughs> the film we're going to talk about tonight, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, it's, it's generally the story of two guys. Steve Martin plays the part of Neil Page, who is trying to get home from work. He's in marketing. He's making a presentation. He is in New York City trying to get home to Chicago. His plane gets rerouted because of winter storms during the um, Thanksgiving week, which mm-hmm. we assume is around, I don't know, Sunday, Monday, he's leaving. Well, he's at uh, he's at work when the movie opens, so I would assume right, it's... Right, so I'm going to say Monday? I would say, well, Thanksgiving's always a Thursday, right? How many right. days are they on the road? Would you say two or three? Because well, they spend well, how many nights? They spend at least yes. two nights. Yes, I would say he's probably on a... It's probably a Monday, because uh, okay. there's at least... Two nights, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they kind of make the overnight to Thursday. So um, I'd have to go back and watch it to detect. Yeah, I, really, I don't know why I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't actually figure that one out. Either. I think it's Monday. It's okay. the beginning of the week. I'm going to go with so, Tuesday, and we'll split the difference, and we'll say uh, it's it's Monday at midnight. <laughs> midnight, even though the sun's right. out. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's trying to get home to his family in Chicago, and he bumps into one Del Griffith, played by John Candy, who is this kind of affable. Uh, shower curtain ring salesman um, who he bumps into in the airport. Actually, he bumps into him initially on the streets of New York City, who is kind of the cause for his delay. But it's really the story of these two guys who can't seem to separate. Their paths are, are permanently intertwined, and hijinks ensue. Basically, it seems like the world is against them getting home for the holidays. And of course it is. When you would say it's also the one of the ultimate examples of an odd couple story. Yes, yeah. because uh, Steve Martin's character, Neil, plays kind of the straight-laced, which I want to get into that a little bit, kind of the straight-laced, um, introvert, clean freak, uh, wears a suit everywhere type. Mm-hmm. And Del Griffith, played by John Candy, is the 
go with the flow, which he says lots of times during the movie uh, character, and they don't seem to get along as everything happens. And, and uh, of course, as we get towards the end, no spoiler, really, Neil is the very rich and affluent one, and Dell sort of the play-it-as-it-comes character. But the whole movie is really just them and the adventures they have trying to get home over the course of a week. Uh, so that's the best. Spo- I didn't want to give a lot of spoilers away because there's so much good going into this that I want to talk about. Yeah, you could say to a large degree, Dutch is this movie. Where, whereas is. Neil Page is a child. And he does act yes. like a child in, in several moments in the movie, so that's fitting. And Actually, and, that's pretty good. And Dutch is obviously the Del Griffith character, but yeah. a little a little more assertive and successful. Well, because Dutch is sort of, well, in Dutch, we, when we uh, talked about that one, uh, Ed O'Neill plays the unassuming, he's actually got a lot of money, but he plays kind of this fool character. And then, of course, the kid uh, played by Ethan Embry was, uh, what was his name? Oh, it was uh, D, sorry, the D2, wasn't it? Wasn't it like Doyle? Doyle. I think it was Doyle. Doyle? Yeah, it was like Doyle. It was something like that. Anyway, right. but yeah, actually, I didn't think about it. This is, it's very similar because in that film, they're trying to get home and all this bad stuff happens that causes them to get innovative and try and find creative ways to get home. And of course, in Hughes' film, uh, it, it, it starts out actually on an airplane, then it goes to a train which Hmm. doesn't last long and then it actually goes to cars which is the longest part um but the difference of course is that hughes did this film in 87 and dutch came out in 91 so he didn't direct dutch to be fair he just no no he wasn't he wasn't uh he he just wrote it but similar story but both i think were executed very well and i'm gonna go ahead and spill my beans early i rewatched this i've seen it before I watched it for the show, for, for this recording, I probably saw it about three years ago, mm-hmm. last time I've seen it, and I recalled still liking it, but I don't remember much about it. So I went into this one trying to think, okay, I think I'm, there's nothing in it I hate. I still really love this movie, and a lot of it really comes from John Candy's character. It feels like it's really who he is because you see the same thing in uh, the great outdoors and kind of uncle buck and even in Canadian bacon, which I think was his last film. Well, that in wagons East, I think he died actually while wagons East East was wrapping up or he was still in Mexico when they were right around the same time, Yeah, around the same time. But, um, uh, Canadian, but I mean, so many films I've seen him in, he, he plays a character like that's the guy he really is. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of him in those characters for sure. You'd have to assume. Yeah. So in this, even it was, it was kind of funny. And of course they play it up much more that he is a lovable character towards the end. But, um, I liked it. I loved it. It was, it was still a fun watch and well, let's go ahead and get this out of the way now so that we can just figure out what the, what the tempo and attitude of this particular episode will be. So obviously I own this movie and uh, I, I let you borrow my bonus laden disc yeah, meaning it was the title screen and either play, scene select, mm-hmm. or credits. <laughs> well, uh, 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 you forgot audio features, which, oh. if I'm not mistaken, means you can select English or Spanish. Or, or in Espanol. Or closed captioning. I think maybe you did have, in fact, closed captioning. Yeah. So, yeah, it was one of those, you know, $5 special bin things right. I got a long time ago. So, yeah, so I owned it. I have watched it. Uh, many occasions and it's probably been a couple years for me as well it, i don't yeah. think i watched it last year 
And, cause, and let's just say it out loud. There's not a whole lot of Thanksgiving movies. <laughs> there's this one. There's Dutch. There's uh, a Home for the Holidays, I think. is that a? I think that's a Thanksgiving one as well. With uh, Holly Hunter, Jodie Foster directed yeah, it. Charles yeah. Durning. So, but that's one of those dysfunctional family, marginally yeah. dark comedies. So there aren't a lot oh, of... There's always Thanksgiving. Oh, well, yes. One of your favorites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just don't watch it with the kids around. Yeah. Jason <laughs> found that one out the hard way. So... Yeah, it, 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 this movie, I went into it familiar with a lot of the set pieces and the jokes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even going to BS, dude. I love this movie, too. Like, this this movie, whether it's CD, it and I don't think, the thing was with John Hughes movies, I don't believe, the ones he directed, other than Curly Sue, if you look Curly Sue, then yeah. what I'm about to say does not apply to you. <laughs> I think most of his movies are C&D free, because even if they're not perfect, and there's certain flaws here and there, you know, because they're art, and that's gonna yeah. be in you know no matter what you have they're always gonna be the subject if you don't thing. like that style and right. they of course but yeah. all that aside just they're they, they're typically the characters are really well written and yeah. they always have some pretty funny memorable iconic sequences in them now i will say out of all of his movies thus far that we've covered which was weird science ferris bueller dutch will count since even though he direct he didn't direct it this That's one right. and vacation he directed he didn't direct rather he wrote Right. Uh, what is, have we done any other ones that he's... Oh, Great Outdoors, he wrote. Uh, yeah, we did Great Outdoors. Which I think, um, was that the same guy who directed Dutch? Did uh, Great Outdoors? Um, it, no, it wasn't. Peter Feynman, and I think it was Howard Deutsch. Who, and Howard Deutsch, if I'm not mistaken, who did Great Outdoors, I'm like I'm literally typing into uh, IMDb, so I'm trying to like, make this up as I go along. Who did Dutch? No, he did not do. I don't think it was the same guy because I think Howard yeah, Deutsch did Great Outdoors. I'm literally trying to type in Great Outdoors. I want. I think he may have been the guy who also directed Pretty in Pink, which is the one John Hughes movie. Peter that, Feynman did Dutch. Yes, did direct. Yeah, yes, and I don't think it was. He's yeah. Like I, said, I think it was Howard yeah. uh, Deutsch or whatever. I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, uh, uh, Howard uh, Peter Feynman's the one that did Crocodile Dundee and Fern Gully and a few others. But yes, so yeah. with with great out with great outdoors, the director, if it yeah, it was Howard Deutsch or yeah, I think it's how pronounced Deutsch. And, yeah, he also directed yeah. Pretty in Pink, which yeah. always blows me away because that movie, I swore for years was directed by John Hughes pre IMDb yeah. pre Google. Yeah. I was convinced. Like, I had to. I don't know why I never bothered <laughs> looking at the back of a VHS box, but it, that movie so feels like a pure. Teen Hughes oh, yeah. movie, and I'm sure there's a cool backstory about how he should have was going to direct it, but couldn't. There's a conflict because that came right. out in '86, so it's the same Restarted year he did Ferris. Yeah, he something. Did, yeah, yeah, he did Ferris Bueller's yeah. Day Off. But that movie so perfectly fits in with the Molly Ringwald, Pretty in Pink, Breakfast oh, yeah. Club vibe. It almost would have been a perfect trilogy had he directed that one. Yep. And I, I don't know. I've always been. I always thought it weird because it just doesn't just feel like him in the writing, just the style of the movie. You think the director's influence would have been enough to. It not necessarily feels so John Hughes, but it just does to me. It just really feels like John Hughes movie. So we've covered all those Hughes movies written and or directed by my favorite still is Ferris Bueller. Like I am pretty much convinced oh, yeah. out of every Hughes movie that we go back and revisit, maybe Breakfast Club only because I really had a massive, massive love for that movie. And I did drama ninth grade and did the monologue that the jock does where he talks about <laughs> taping the guy's buns together and his old man. Yeah. And I remember I had to get all emotional about it and I studied it for hours. So I, and that was a movie I saw the first time it was edited for TV. It was like on TBS or something. And I recorded it on VHS and I went into, did you ever do this? Did you ever take the time to edit out the commercials? 
Like where you would you'd pause it. Did you ever do that? I was fast forwarded through the commercial. No, no, no. So. I, would, I would record movies off of network TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I would and sit then, there and, and hover. And I'd hover. Absolutely. Now that you know, it just occurred to me, that probably explains my, my affinity and affection for editing. Seriously, because I, I, from an early age, I remember sitting there with that remote almost every time it was network, and I would try and time it to where you pause it. Because the key was is that it would never... It, it would flow. Yeah, yeah. Or you would hear it kind of roll back. So you had to be careful. You you'd, you wouldn't actually want to hit... I learned you didn't want to hit pause immediately when it went to black. No, even like a second and a half, two seconds. Yeah, because so it would always it would roll, roll back. back. And yep. then you hit... Yep. Uh, uh-huh. Every time. Yeah. And then you get that little annoying rolling piece or the red or it would kind of do that frequency adjustment thing where the red and the stat uh, it's kind of a pain there the uh, video tracking thing would come up i had to shut it out the menu pain in the butt anyway so with breakfast club i watched it ad nauseum so it may be the only one that could top ferris bueller but eh, i don't know we'll see I, I think both are tops and and it's hard for me i mean i think of his core movies uh that we've talked about vacation and and ferris bueller and and great outdoors they're all they're they all have a special place in my heart. And yeah, it's hard me for me to rank them because they're all, to me, yeah. a cut above uh, in, in typical movies from that time Certainly, period. Yeah, 80s comedies. Yeah, they're better yeah, than and all, all Right. It's mainly comedies because Ferris Bueller had a different feel than than Breakfast Club did, and it had a different rhythm and feel than, than Pretty in Pink. But they all had very similar, similar formulas, mm-hmm. um, as did this one. I mean, you've got kind of the lovable character. You've got mm-hmm. – um, uh, uh, his pace was always right on. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really good. And they're all filled with pretty great actors or actresses. Yeah. And yeah. all of them were uh, harbingers of, of great actors and actresses to come. Like they would go on to do even better things. Yeah. Um, so I think he was a great rec- recognizer of talent. So in this one, he had two people that were, well, he had a handful that were recognized, established um, actors. He mm-hmm. had Steve Martin and, and John Candy, because by this time, Steve Martin had been in a lot of hits and John Candy had had some success uh, as well. But there were quite a few other actors and actresses in this that oh, yeah. went on to do even greater things. I mean, or, um, or had been in other stuff. But maybe either A, at that point, weren't at the they weren't as popular. Like maybe it was a few years later, they would get involved with a TV show or another movie that got the popular. But they were either really recognizable from stuff they had done previous to this or yeah. right at that moment or certainly, like you're saying, beyond right. this movie. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there was there was quite a bit. And, and so I think that was one of the things um, that was in his in his uh, quiver of talents was being able to recognize some of these folks as they as they um came onto the set and as they were going for these films, but Steve, Steve Martin and John Candy are two of my absolute favorites. So for them to come together in a film, it's just sort of for me, like the great outdoors with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. It's, it's a nexus of comedy gold, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to beat, um, putting them together. But this one had, uh, I want to list off a couple, Michael McKean, mm-hmm. uh, had a bit who, part literally, who of course was Lenny. Yep. Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy and, uh, from Laverne and yep. Shirley. Um, and then it had Dylan Baker. Oh yeah. So he was the guy in the opening was, for this episode. Right, He was in that clip you played in the opening. He was the, the redneck in the truck that talked about his wife having the baby sideways. Um, but I, I saw him and I thought, God, I've seen him in a bunch. And he's one of those actors that's very recognizable. Uh, if you looked up his, his um, list of things he's been in, he's been a lot of stuff you've, you've probably known going back, uh, way back in, into the, um, uh, to the eighties at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was in that show that I told you about that. I really got into, they got canceled called Kings. Mm-hmm. 
he was actually in that. And that was a big thing I remember from uh, most recently, but he's been in stuff uh, even up to. I think uh, he was in, and I'm literally not going to look it up because right now I'm looking at the IMDb page for Bill Irwin, who I wanted to mention. But, yeah, yeah. but was Dylan Baker in Delirious? which had John Candy in it. That was the one where John Candy was the writer. I think he wrote soap operas and he either gets hit on the head, had Mariel Hemingway in it. I remember really liking it. That'd be another one we should cover at some point. Yeah. But I haven't seen that. I, in, that, that came out right around. The, remember that movie? Yeah, it came right around the same time as Soap Dish, which had Robert Downey Jr. and Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. which was a similar soap-themed movie. I remember that one. But in Dylan Baker, if I'm not mistaken, in Delirious, his character... <laughs> In, he's sort of a bad guy and he ends up getting some sort of disease. And I remember parts of him falling off. I don't know if he has leprosy. He had something horrible <laughs> happen to him. And so he's all bandaged up as the movie's going on because parts of him are falling <laughs> off, as I recall. That's my memory of it. I don't, I don't it. remember that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Maybe um, it's just I me. don't remember. But he was, yeah, he was, he was a great one in it. And then um, Martin Ferrero was in it as well. Oh, he yeah. was in Jurassic Park, as yep. you remember, most yep. recognizably. He was the attorney. Uh, that uh, wait, got, wait, wait, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Jurassic sorry, Park, yeah, spoiler, <laughs> if you haven't seen one of the, the most, uh, well, it's a I forgotten say? flick. You could argue. <laughs> yeah. It, it forgotten as the new ones being produced, yeah. but, uh, a, a great Steven Spielberg movie. How's that? An indie. Yeah. An indie, an indie Spielberg. Indie. Flick. Yeah. Yeah. Low budge. Like kind most, of under like the radar. Most, like most of his stuff. <laughs> he played, he played the attorney, uh, who got snatched off the toilet by the T-Rex um, <laughs> in that film. That's what he's most known for. Hey, so. you know what? When the T-Rex got to go, it's got to go, and he was in the damn way. <laughs> <laughs> right. But of course, uh, the greatest cameo in this was Joey Lawrence's little brother, <laughs> that was Matthew the Lawrence. I totally thought you were going to say something else. That's awesome that that's the one you went to. <laughs> I know but I love when the little kid looked too. at the mom and went, whoa. Yes. <laughs> He has this the cutest little haircut. Oh he yeah, the bowl just, cut, the, the Lawrence yes, bowl, with the, the, like the little Dutch boy haircut. He basically he plays Neil Page's uh, Steve Martin's little son, who he calls Little Neil. Yeah, um, and he's just the cutest little kid in this. I don't know what ten, eight, was nine, it, wasn't ten. he and Mrs. Was he the one that grew up to be a Mrs. Doubtfire? Because I know it's oh, one of Lawrence. Yes. I think it is him, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think he was. The, I'm he still on Bill Irwin's page. I'm not cheating. A girl. What's, I'm not cheating. I yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I prefer. I actually prefer coming off the cuff with the, the guesses. We could be completely wrong for all I know, but <laughs> I unless I have was. to know, I, I will check. The, because well, who I'm is checking. the girl? Okay, the, the little girl in yeah, she was trains? recognizable too. Like I remember uh, her going on to do other things too. You do? Hold on, I'm gonna look. That one I have to cheat because I really don't even. Remember. I don't remember. But anyway, yeah, he was. I think he was Mrs. Doubtfire, but he was a. Uh, um, Maybe that's Joy. Oh no no no! Joy was <laughs> Joy was old. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah, he was Joey Lawrence's uh, little brother because I guess there were three Lawrence brothers. Joey, I don't remember the middle, and Matthew, uh, he played the little. But then there was one Nobody other. Nobody remembers which... the middle. That's the way the Lawrence brothers won it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, <coughs> but of course, the other one. Uh, which you want to talk about a John Hughes connection mm-hmm. uh, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm. uh, was the she was the secretary yep. in at the high school where Ferris went oh. and at this she played the um, travel car travel you know, re- I mean the rental car car rental right yeah. the car rental hostess yeah. uh, who is at the counter and um, 
It was. Do you have that by um, any chance? Um, uh, by any by chance, the grace my, of God, do you have I, that? I do. And heads up for our our sensitive listeners and or <laughs> listeners who are have the speakers on at work right now. This is uh, NSFW. But it is probably one of the funniest segments. Of- oh yeah, and it's the only reason this episode's probably going to get the explicit tag, and the only reason this movie is rated R, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, probably. So yeah. Uh, here, here we are. The your effed scene. Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? Yes. How may I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile. A fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. May I see your rental agreement? I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're <laughs> Yes, that is a great scene. That was the greatest monologue Steve Martin has ever given. No, it isn't, but yeah. it was hilarious. It was, it's funny. Oh, and it's great because what? through the whole movie, he had moments where he started to lose it. And yeah, but barely. Yeah. He was always, well, yeah. I, that, scene, that scene with Dell in the hotel room was, was yes. you know, it, it was mean, but it was, he lost it, but it was still it, yeah. controlled. It was still, he hadn't, this was the, if I had a, a, a weapon of some sort right now, there would be bodies <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And so leading up to this is when, uh, he, he finally thinks he's got a rental car to get from the airport to his house in Chicago. Cause I guess the car, I mean the um, airplane reroutes into Kansas. Yeah. I think it was, was that in Kansas at that point? I don't even remember. Yeah. yeah, it was where it was where their their plane was rerouted because of blizzards in Chicago or around that area, and it rerouted to Kansas, I believe. And um, uh, the the rental car driver drops him off and says, "You're in you're in spot V eight or whatever it yeah, was." It was a bus. It was one of those those tour those yep. big buses because the parking lot's so lot. big. Yeah. Yep. And he walks over to it, and it's gone, and it looks like it's been stolen because <laughs> there's tracks. like two tire marks where it peeled out. So he. <laughs> In trying to walk back to the airport, it shows pre 9 11 him walking literally like alongside the runway. Oh, yeah. Of the airport. Totally like it shows now. planes landing. Because yeah. the snipers with high powered rifles wouldn't take him out at this point. <laughs> right. He would have been, he would have, or the electrified fences. Of course, that character um, would have probably been happy had they done that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he, uh, he makes it back into the airport and his, uh, they play it up well. I mean, his, his shoes are, muddy and wet he slides down a hill at one point and in the snow and 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 uh so he'd had enough but this was hilarious and it was uh edie mcclurg who played grace Mm -hmm. um in uh, ferris bueller's day off but her face as he's going through this tirade is hilarious and oh she was fantastic she's fantastic she's such a great actress she is she is really good so that was a great scene i love that part um she was a great uh cameo or or piece in it so now do, do uh, you any ha- others yeah yeah actually uh several more uh we'll go ahead and uh continue the ferris bueller connection did you recognize mm-hmm. anybody else from that classic 80s film 
<clears throat> very very um, brief very brief if you, no. if you got if you got up to i wouldn't even say p if you got up to if you turn if you went to like pop your neck and you don't just do it side to side but you actually take your chin and turn it you would have missed it probably ben stein oh gosh yep. that's right yep. he has wasn't a, he the um the um like the airport yes, announcer yes he's like yes uh, the, sort of saying that the flight delayed. was delayed and, and then and he has like that little grin on his <laughs> at the yes. end like yeah and of course he's the guy that in ferris bueller's day off is the one who anyone, does the, probably anyone. the well most well-known scene from that movie yeah, yeah. people bueller. who don't even know that movie exists quote that line bueller mm-hmm. bueller yeah, yeah. Yeah, people who know. Uh, yeah. yeah, people quote that line, and you you could even ask, "Wait, what's that from?" Oh, <laughs> what's a Bueller? Yeah, that's right. So yes, there was, and of course, early on in the motion picture, very early, there's another John Hughes connection, uh-huh. because he was in a John Hughes movie that I'm going off the top of my head. I don't think Hughes directed. I think he only wrote, but I could be wrong on that. This would be a probably a more obscure Hughes movie as they go for again for our cinephiles in the audience maybe not but for I think regular folks this is one of the ones that they typically forget about that that he was involved with okay, well give me the part of planes trains and automobiles very beginning it is the person that Neil is in competition with to get the taxi oh my god yes oh my god and I would before you say it I would okay. make I would make the argument had he been on his 10 speed from Quicksilver <laughs> going through the streets of New York, he would have won. Well, he did anyway, but he would have won even better. Was that better. wild or what? That yeah. scene, and maybe it's just because I don't recall it from when I was uh, uh-huh. younger watching this. Mm-hmm. But now I always forget. It, I always like, forget. I always forget he's in it until I see this movie. Yes. I can see it the year, but I will forget by next year. If I watch it again on Thanksgiving, I will forget. And I'll be, oh, that's why Kevin Bacon's in this. <laughs> right. It was Kevin Bacon. Yep. And basically, Steve Martin's on one side of a New York City street. Kevin Bacon's on the other. They both spot a cab mm-hmm. right before before rush hour mm-hmm. that there are no cabs available. And they both run down the street to yep. try and make it to an empty cab. Uh, and, of course, Kevin Bacon gets it. But, um, well, no, he doesn't get it. But that's where... No, Kevin Bacon does. He gets the first one. And oh, there's a second one. Because, right. because Neil trips over a trunk, a steamer yep. trunk, covered in stickers that comes into play That's later, because right. it turns out it's owned by one Dell Griffith. And then yep. when... And then he, yeah. he sees another one that opens uh-huh. in front of the hotel. He pays the guy 50 bucks to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's when Dell Griffith jumps in it and takes off. But yeah, I totally forget every time I watch this that Kevin Bacon is in it. And then I think... That's why there's a game about him. Yeah, exactly. Everybody forgets that he's in every freaking movie. <laughs> At least a little bit. And what's really yeah. interesting is I'm going through IMDb right now. He's not listening to the credits. He must have gone uncredited. No, now, no, he's he's in it. He is in the credits. I'm scrolling through yeah, right he's now. Yeah, Taxi Racer. It's uh, if you go to like uh, the... rest of cast listed. Oh, okay. Well, I'm looking at the app right now on my iPad, so I don't see that. I see oh, Ben okay. Stein. Yeah. Uh, Gary, Dan, Kevin. Nope, 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 nope. Nope, he's not. And then, if, yeah, and then there's some there's some really kind of you want to talk about quick ones. You remember when they in the very end they caught the um, tractor trailer, mm-hmm. uh, like in the dairy truck. They were in the back riding it, and there was the driver that says, "Oh, he's kind of he's kind of afraid of riders or whatever." Mm-hmm. That was Troy Evans, and he was in ER. Mm. Uh, he was in the Frighteners. Um, uh, he's he in the Frighteners. Uh, I love the Frighteners. Yeah, but I mean, you recognize if you saw his face. Yeah, he's a very. But he was most known probably for, um, at least for me, for his parts in ER. He was in a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been in a bunch, a bunch of um, of other stuff. Um, but he was the truck driver in that. 
mm-hmm. uh, which you wouldn't even recognize. And then um, Bill Irwin, who was yeah, in that was Home the one Alone. I was looking. I was I, I meant to, before yep. we did the show to look up his page, and yeah, he was in Home Alone, and he had that. Uh, yeah, he was the grandpa from Home Alone. He was uh, also. Uh, in uh, Somewhere in Time, which is another Christopher oh, Reeve movie yeah, that I love. Yeah, Richard Matheson, based on Richard Matheson's yep. book. Oh, but uh, he was uh, the other guy in the airplane who was leaning on Steve Martin's <laughs> shoulder, snoring away. As, yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, do you know the John Hughes movie that Kevin Bacon was in? And I stand corrected, he did direct this one, which probably makes it it, it makes it even sadder because this had this or Uncle Buck been his final directorial effort beyond Curly Sir, I would have been fine with it. The last thing that John Hughes. No, this is not the. No, no, no. This is the Kevin Bacon. This is the Kevin Bacon movie I was referring to earlier that I said I wasn't sure if he directed it, but he did write it. Do you know what? Um, Kevin Bacon stars in it, too. He doesn't just he's not just a bit. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. Okay. He only directed a handful. I remember that Mm -hmm. like half a dozen or so. This is going to be probably on that list that you're trying to run through in your brain right now. The least likely one. For you to remember, just because I again, I did, I always forget that he directed it. I knew he wrote it. But I remember Sixteen Candles, uh-huh. Breakfast Club, uh-huh. um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. This uh-huh. one, Uncle Buck. Uh huh. <sighs> weird, weird science. Yeah, yep, weird science because uh-huh. we did that. Uh-huh. Curly, year. of course, Curly Sue. Here's a hint: it's not that one. <laughs> no, it's not Curly Sue. I no, assume. Oh darn! I don't remember. She's having a baby. Oh my God! From yes. 1988. Yep. Wow, with Alec Baldwin. Yeah, and, Elizabeth um, McGovern. Elizabeth McGovern. Yeah, yep. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Bill Irwin was in that too, wasn't he? Uh, I don't know, was he? Yeah, I think he was I'm in that. He played, I think he played the grandpa. Yes, he did. Uh, like, yeah, grandpa. I think he's like perpetual yeah. grandpa. And Paul Gleason was in it. He, remember, Paul Gleason was in Breakfast Club. He's the assistant principal. And he's, you know, you get the bull by the horns, that guy. And he was, of yeah, course, yeah. he was, of course, the, um, oh, why am I brain farting? Uh, Dick. No, no. Well, it was not a Dick. I'm sorry. That's the reporter. The guy who was the, uh, oh, shit. The Gleason. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking. Don't run. look. Don't look. Don't you? I'm trying not to. Die. He's in Die <laughs> Hey, look, I'm going to go through this. He's in Die He's Hard. in Die Hard. He's the jerk off cop that comes on the scene after Al Powell's there. And he's like, yeah, you don't know nothing about this guy. Remember that? You know, quit being part of the problem, being quite as part of the solution. That you know, that guy that uh, has yeah. the anima. Okay, I'm just remembering the character. He's Paul Gleason's the actor. I just can't remember his freaking name in the movie. Oh, it's yeah. gonna drive me crazy. I gotta cheat now. Damn it. Yeah, I'm cheating. See, I admit it when I cheat. <laughs> Die Hard. He was. Where is it at? Because I don't want to waste the whole show. Deputy Police Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. It's close enough to my last name. I should have remembered that. Yeah, well, or Dwayne, Dwayne. Dwayne. God, look at Al Powell. Look at look at Reginald Vell Johnson. You see this picture of him? It looks no. like when, you know when they do uh, um, America's Most Wanted, the sketches of somebody who's been lost for thirty <laughs> years and what they look like as an old person now. That's what his. <laughs> that's what his photo looks like, dude. This is creepy. Look up wow. Reginald Vell Johnson. Just look him up. Okay. Am I wrong? Uh- Okay, so it kind of looks like one of those computer aged, H- doesn't it? You know, where they say, "Okay, so he went missing in 1996. This is what he might look like today." Yeah. And- <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, of course, he was in Family Matters and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was in Die Hard. Um, that's all that matters. But go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so uh, <laughs> yes. you're so smart to not even open up that Pandora's box. I'm proud of you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go there. Yeah. You want any cheese? <laughs> Um, <laughs> did I do that? I don't remember she's having a baby. I mean, I yeah. remember it coming out. Yeah. Um, I, I saw remember. it a couple times. I don't, I have 
very little memory of it. I remember liking it and thinking it was fun. Again, better than Curly Sue. Yeah. So, but it's definitely one of his lesser. Now that might be a good one to cover at some point, just because it yeah. might as well be one we've never seen. And I would say it's pretty forgotten. Yeah, and and this one, I would argue, Planes, Trains is not really a forgotten flick, but it's probably. His, what amongst his like people don't necessarily attribute it to Hughes. I don't think a lot of people think about it being his because I'd say other than she's having a baby, this is probably one of his, maybe his most adult movie in the sense that a it's dealing with adults and not teens like most of his movies did, right? But right. It, or it, little kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely feels the most adult overall, and it feels the most mature in a way. Yeah, actually, you know, I don't know. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All you know, even though it's dealing with teens, has a, a maturity to it. To the to the filmmaking, there's a there's a confidence to it. Everything just hits. Everything hits right. I don't know. I, it'd be hard to say. But I you do realize. Yeah. You do realize though that this film, yes, is damn near thirty years old. I know, dude. That makes me feel so old. I'm really. I I have a hard time swallowing that. It's yeah. twenty six. Well, how about the fact, six, that, how about 20, the fact that how about years the old? fact that Jedi is thirty years old? And I remember sitting in the theater with my dad and my little, my kid sister who fell asleep. No, she was like five, you know, I cut her some slack. Wow. It's That's hard for me no, to. No, you're ready to cry. Process. You're ready to cry. Wait, no, you're ready. No, you want to process, bro? You want to process? No. You're ready to process? Starting next year, the following movies will be 30 years old. Ghostbusters, Last Starfighter, Night of the Comet. Hmm. Should I go on? No, no, stop. Hard stop. Bodies. What? <laughs> children of the corn 30 years old dude uh, i know i don't want to the idea that we're old enough now to not say oh this movie i was alive when this movie came like when star wars <laughs> turned 30 i was like okay you know i was one <laughs> but 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 for some reason the idea now i'm eking into movies yeah. that are three decades old that i remember very vividly like back to the future in a couple years be 30 years old i still well, it's it's yeah, it's the idea of knowing that you you remember watching it yeah, in the theater. Like, vivid, like not just, oh, I think I saw it. No, I remember no. going to the theater, sitting there yeah. watching it. Yeah. E.T. Yeah. Oh, e. yeah. Big time. Yeah. E.T.'s yeah. over 30 now. Yeah. yeah. Very vividly. So. <sighs> uh, damn. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we both can agree that this is perhaps the best Thanksgiving movie other than Thanksgiving. <laughs> Because that one had boobies. <laughs> okay, I take it back. Maybe Thanksgiving. <laughs> <The second best. laughs> no, but this is at least no, the I second think, best. No, no, I think this was a uh, one of the things I loved about this movie is it is a fantastic. It feels like a fantastic stand-up routine between John Candy and and Steve Martin, and they're thrown into a variety of situations. But it's really just about the chemistry between these two guys mm -hmm. and. It works so well. It's a lot like the Dan Aykroyd and John Candy in Great Outdoors where their banter is sort of the best. Um, it's really just them. And it's it's so funny to watch these guys. I would love to, you know, would love to have seen um, even a stage production of this because John Candy was one of my favorite comedians uh, in, in film anyway. He's a great actor. Uh, you and I have talked about he seems like just a very affable guy, someone that you could hang out with. And did you, you know, read, did you like, read, did you read it? And again, we always say this with a grain of salt. Did you read his, uh, IMDB trivia? No, no, I didn't suppose on one of the trivia comments, they had listed that according to quote unquote, everyone in Hollywood, that he was <laughs> legitimately one of the best and nicest guys to work with and be around. And I, 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 like I don't that. think I ever read an interview or anything that 
people didn't no. say that. Yeah, it, it, it seems like that just because that seems to be like what every one of his characters was like. And, you know, we we've talked about that even great actors, part of themselves come through in those characters. And um, if you even go back deeper, because we talked last week about um, Strange Brew and his time with SCTV and Canadian television. If you go back and even watch those bits, it's the same kind of character. Mm -hmm. So it feels most like this is really who he was. And uh, between him and Steve Martin, they, they just, it played very, very well. And the pacing was good. The story was believable enough. I mean, there were parts that were kind of crazy, but um, it was really good. And of course, if you haven't seen the movie, pause it now, but it, it's got kind of a sad and happy the, ending yeah, at the same time. Ending, yes. It is a bittersweet. It's, it's kind of a, um, it turns out that Dell's wife had died. Although that was one little bit that yeah. they didn't really explain. And I didn't really get as when I remember watching this before without the critical eye, it was always like, okay, at the end we realized this whole time he's traveling, his wife died years ago. And they try to get, and they try to give it that sixth sense moment where Neil is sitting on the train traveling home. He's just separated from Dell for the final time. And he right. suddenly puts all the pieces together from everything. Dell has all these said. memories yeah. of things that Dell said. And it, makes sense. Yeah. Except that when he goes back to find Dell in the train station, which was an incredibly sweet thing to do because we've got this transformation of, of Neil of being this kind of stuck up douchebag in the beginning. And yeah. he slowly uh, realizes he, he needs to be more like Dell. And that he goes back to the end and he's like, where are you going? And he said, well, my wife died eight years ago. I don't have a home. So it doesn't really explain why he's just kind of wandering aimlessly. Well, I think or, he's a traveling salesman, so he just doesn't have a place that he, I mean, he lives in hotel. He reminds me a little bit of the George Clooney character in up in the air. He doesn't really have a home home. He just kind of travels. He just travels around. Yeah. Catches to people. Yeah. yeah but it, in, in the beginning, at least it made it out like he was going from New York city to somewhere. And he just happens along Neil. I think he was just going then, from one. I think probably go heading towards his next, whatever part yeah. of the country he was headed to Chicago area to, to do his shower curtain ring seems, salesmanship. It seems to me like he was from Wisconsin. Yeah, he definitely I just had get that, that feeling. Yeah, he had that vibe. Yeah, he had the he had yeah. the Midwestern, definitely that Midwest. Yeah. I mean, you know, certain parts of you know, Illinois, I'm sure, have that. Uh, yeah, right. It's close, yeah. but yeah, but, but uh, it worked great, and I, it was a fantastic film. Either Thanksgiving or Christmas. I mean, it, yeah, was, it definitely it's kind has of a that holiday, holiday feel to yeah. it. Well, and I, and yeah. I think to to the one point about his wife, the thing that really bugged me this time around. It's really the only thing about this movie that really does somewhat bug me, and it's petty and stupid. But I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> he claims his wife died eight years ago, which, if he, love of his life, I'm sure, I'm sure it was heartbreaking. But eight years, I would have maybe bought it being a fresher wound if it had been like two or three years. Number one. Plus, this is 1987. The picture they show of her is not 1979 because if she died eight years ago, presumably of a disease, which yeah, means that picture was probably taken in the late, mid to late 70s. That picture yeah. was 1985, 84, 85 at best. So I, I don't. I mean, if he said she died three or four years ago, like this is my yeah. third, my third Thanksgiving without her. I don't. That would have felt more immediate. Whereas yeah. eight years, it seems that's almost a decade. I'm it not seems saying so long. Yeah, it yeah. does. It seems like a really long time. Yeah. For him to be that forlorn. Now, I could get that he's still sad about it. I get that he hasn't found anybody he could ever replace her with. I get all that, but I don't know. And the part, the, probably the most heartstring pulling part of the of the whole movie, aside from the ending when they kind of drop the bomb, what's happening is 
when they're in the hotel room drinking yeah. and you know, they've kind of hit that buddy, buddy phase finally. And he says, and Steve Martin says, uh, his above all else, you've got the love of your life to grow old with. Yeah. John Candy's acting in that part where he just kind of, he doesn't say yeah and shake his head. Yeah, you're right. Because that would have sold us too much on the idea of he's trying to pass it off. He doesn't even make an expression. He's just kind of, it was a little bit of a, like almost like a knowing smile, but it's not, you, you could take, you could take, it was so subtle. Yeah. It was so subtle, but it was really, really good. And, uh, when you watch the replay of it, when you watch when Steve Martin's character is having the, uh, flashback it's sad way more oh, yeah. than when you watch when you put the it first in that context time. yeah and, and, yeah and, and i i love the ending of the movie i always find it it, it gets a little i believe as a uh, ryan from uh, ryan ozawa used to always say on like the lost podcast and or the transmission yeah. and, and their their other shows that he would always say it gets a little dusty in the room he always gets a little <laughs> dusty in the room yeah yeah and when they're walking up carrying the yeah it, it does the only part though that and the older I get and the more I see this movie the less I like it I really 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 hate that song at the end which is really odd I know that I know what the song is and I don't know if that's a cover of the original I don't think it is like that's the original it's version. not the original it's I don't not think okay. it's the original because it's just the way it sounds like when that moment when they're all kind of, <laughs> now here's what's funny John Hughes typically at least in his teen movies picks awesome music he's always picked yeah. awesome music and he's so good at picking music that just hits you emotionally and, and you know, think about like in breakfast club you know the don't you forget about yeah. me oh yeah and it's, it's, it's great and it com- fantastic. turns out to be a huge hit yeah so he's done yeah. that in multiple movies i mean even if there's bueller's day off with the yeah oh yeah i mean just you know great so this one you get to the end and it's just that every time you go I, I kind of like this. I kind of like the song, uh, yeah, yeah. but I guess what I don't struck hate me the is original. Was, That's what I was, was going to say. Yeah, is exactly it a cover? What struck me is this time around. It was okay. The original was, um, it was a guy singer. I don't remember who did it. And there's someone out there screaming at me. They know it, but, um, yeah, I think you're right. it is version, a guy. Yeah, it is a guy, but the, the cover version is a girl singing it. And I understand that. And, and I, was not there when the film was made. I'm just pulling this out of my rear. I understand if they did that for the purpose of, Hey, that fits with his wife who really missed him this whole time because they show shots of her this entire time. And I'm talking about Neil Page's wife who is Steve Martin's wife. And then the reuniting scene where he comes home and she is the last one to see him, hugs him, all that stuff. I get that if the song was meant to sort of be from her perspective, but the original would have been so much better. Yes, I agree with you. I think and it the would have felt way more Hughes. Yeah, like the Breakfast Club. Yeah, and, 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 and I will say this. I think it would have, the whole thing would work better is if, and this happens, it seems more with TV shows because of licensing issues. We've talked about this, that they'll not be able yeah, to use the original. Right, like, right. with Children, it's so difficult to watch the opening of that show now. Oh, I can't watch it's Married with pay- Children now. I know, it's so I painful. Can't. I have to fast forward past that because it just messes you up. It just totally messes you oh, up. Because the, the song, the intro song. Love and Marriage, yeah. Uh, Love and Marriage. They don't have the rights to it, so they play some really, really bad kind of reproduction. It's yeah, but it's not. Oh, it's not it's even. Awful. It's so. It's sort of just enough notes, so it's reminiscent of it. But yeah, it's, it's like but music. It's, it's, even, it's like music. No, it, it doesn't even sound. Oh, it's horrible. So, it's but awful. and that typically happens with TV shows. But right. I wouldn't hate it if somebody went back with the rights of this movie 
got rid of that song and just played maybe one of the themes or the score themes that was yeah, in the movie from earlier. Right. And, and because I think it would have a more of an emotional effect. And I don't know, maybe if it was the original version of that song, like you said, or if that song had even the themes of that song had yeah, played yeah. earlier in the movie, but it just, it always feels like it's just plugged in there. Like, Oh yeah, we got to have a popular song. Cause you know, this yeah. is a huge movie and people expect that now. Well, I just, I don't know. I didn't like that part. And one question I did have, because we've talked before about how Steve Martin in interviews and, from everything we've seen, because obviously we're not, we don't know the guy, but everything we've seen of him. Well, we haven't talked to him in a couple of years. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, you know, since, <laughs> since he's been on the show. I, I should I should play that drop again. I should play that drop. But he's so introverted, he barely said anything, so you can't even tell it's him. Me, it sounds a little. It's, it sounds I'm fucking now. Yeah, it sounds a little like me going, "Hey, this is uh, Steve Martin." You also just forgot Netflix, but it's him. I'm telling you. So, yeah, he is is known for not being the wild and crazy guy in real life so speaking of people who yeah. act but sometimes yes. their characters do not fit who you know who they are in real life because you know they are actors he, he is much quieter introverted did you almost get a sense though that i don't and i don't think neil was a i think neil had jerky tendencies because he was stressed but as a i think neil was a good guy he just was didn't want to deal with dell he wanted to be left the hell alone because he was an introverted kind of guy but yeah, i always it, felt it, like this was probably one of the closer characters uh, to maybe uh, to has, who he really was. You know what I mean? Like as far as the huh. introversion and the the solitude, yes. just kind of, Hey, you know, I'm good. Just yeah. Because he didn't, he didn't come across as a douchebag in this. And I think, uh, well, the part with Dell like, when he, when he gives, when he uh, gives Dell that dressing down in the hotel, that was pretty rude. Even that, was then, rough. that was rough, dude. It, yeah, it was rough, but even then it felt like, okay, so I see maybe where John Hughes was trying to make this character a, uptight overstressed new york city yeah. marketing executive kind of character but he came across more just like a guy who was really introverted yeah and i just don't want to be bothered with people he didn't come across as a mean guy no no not mean he was mean to dell in that scene but he's not a mean guy yeah no and 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 it he had his breaking points at a couple points during at, at a couple scenes during the movie but he he came across more just as a quiet introverted i just want to be alone even the part towards the end where they're in the diner together, they've been through a ton of stuff, and he's like, I just think we'd get further along if we were mm-hmm. apart. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that that hurt was because he recognized at that point that Dell really needed somebody else. Yeah. And really miss him. But to him, I was kind of like, I kind of get that. Oh, he's I get No, oh, no. Here's the key. I could relate the most to him. <laughs> I mean, I, yes. but, but I, I am simply <laughs> saying that. Yeah. You know what I mean? They did. He just, it, it's felt based on our conversation we had not that long ago about you know in your life and being introverted and and seemingly quiet and not the wild and crazy guy i i just i thought it was an interesting example because prior to this movie ah, i'm sure i mean no because even roxanne he was he was playing a little straighter yeah yeah yeah. but but this is probably the maybe one of the first i don't know all of me because i haven't you've seen that i don't think i've seen all of me so was he straight laced in that no, he was more. Was he a little zany? I mean, he was somewhat straight laced, but yeah. he was still. So I'm wondering if this he, is like his first big movie where he was playing a bit against type at that point. Like he's yeah, not I'm the not jerk. A, he's not the man with two brains. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. yeah huh. I'm not a complete expert on it, but I I definitely think that the the one thing that worked well for this is you never hated him. No, Even the part never, where he yeah. gives Dell the dressing down. Yeah. You never hated him for it. You understood. And he, and he, he the key is in, he does, he, he, he comes around. He's not. Yeah. He made up for it yeah. and very quickly. Yeah. So he wasn't the 
jerk in this. He just was. Well, I mean, <laughs> get it? The jerk. The movie. Yeah, he wasn't the a hole. Um, he just was kind of the quiet guy that was yeah. trying to get away. But um, yeah, that that worked, and his who he was or his character in this at least worked really well. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I had a bunch of other crap I wanted to talk about, but we'll go ahead and. Uh, All right. Pick your number one out of your other crap. What's one that? thing out of. Okay. Well, oh, this is the last thing. thing. Last I. Thing wanted to make the point and i was gonna say it earlier when we we're talking about the kevin bacon scene that i feel that there's a couple key elements that make a john hughes movie a john hughes movie when it comes to the the style you were talking about they have a certain almost formula to them and it's not yeah. necessarily just a story formula though some of his later movies definitely had that i think it's a weird it's it's a weird balance like we had that conversation last episode with jeremy about strange brew and they, you remember I talked about the line that you could go yeah. absurd and crazy, but there's this line where you don't have dogs flying off painted like skunks or guys, <laughs> yes. you know, massive. Yes. Okay. This most of John Hughes move. A lot of his comedies have that they have like, for instance, the car crash scene their their fingers are literally embedded into the dashboard. You're and, right, right. And they pull them out or the 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 steering wheel things that probably could never happen without you being in serious horrific pain and bones protruding out and it being gory as all get out. Well, I would I would buy all of them as possible with the exception the only time that felt to me that they actually went over that what was the when they were going the wrong way on the highway and the two tractor trailers were coming at them Yes, and they went between them. And then the car starts spinning around doing, doing circles. Cause it almost crashed. Yeah. And he looks over and Dell's in a, you no, know, but see, I wouldn't, I would, that, no, that one's fine because that's the whole life flashing before your eyes and you're hallucinating. Yeah. So that passed off as a hallucination in strange boo, a dog flying through the friggin' air was not hallucination. It was part of the damn story. No, no, I agree. And they're not the same. I'm not <laughs> saying they're saying, yeah. yeah, but, but I'm saying that that's why that didn't cross the line for me. Now I, like I said, more crossing the line would be things like the fingers dug into a dashboard or I don't know, uh, driving that car, like that car, even driving after what it yeah, was, that car would not be driving. But, yeah. it's, <laughs> but it's, it's a line, right? It's like, it never felt like it crossed it. Now he has done right. things that, Eh, you know, eh, a little bit maybe, but but yeah. most of his stuff, most like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there were many moments that that movie could have crossed it. But there's something about his movie stylistically where he keeps a sense of groundedness and humanity, and I think it comes from the characters yeah. more than anything. But it's yeah. that it's it's the 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 moment between where Kevin Bacon and Steve Martin give each other that look, and it's it's very similar in uh, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when his sister. And he give each other that look at the end and you know, yes, see, you know a little squinted that, eye. That's sort yeah, of yeah. like, yeah, it's on. Yep. That that kind of moment is always in a John Hughes movie. And then that ending moment when the music swells and a character gets teary eyed somewhere. <laughs> and it's all, yeah, and it's all happy. Yeah. And it, you know what occurs to me? That's why I love Modern Family so much. It's like a damn John Hughes movie because <laughs> Modern Family is goofy, over the top, absurd most yeah. of the time. And then always in the last two or three minutes, there's this sweet human moment that isn't funny yeah. at all not played for laughs and it humanizes oh, everyone and everything and it makes it all worth it and you like get all freaking dusty in the room and want to cry which is it, which is exactly how planes trains and automobiles ended it's the whole scene where he he walks up to the house and they're carrying they're both yeah. carrying his trunk together um and he's the last one you know Dell comes in and 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 Neil's the last one to see his wife and they hug and Dell has that moment where he's kind of yeah. knowingly yeah, I mean it's it is it's that wrap up moment where 
everything that's happened, you put it in perspective and it's not that big of a deal. So, um, it is, I think that's a, that's, I don't want to say formulaic because that sounds like a negative. Yeah, but it is, but, but it it's, is. A, but it, but it's that likable part. And I think that's the part that people attach to, like you said, with modern family or, uh, the other John Hughes movies, it's that part that people like in a story mm-hmm. that makes it all yeah. really that sense, positive. That sense yeah. of resolution and tying things up. That, that makes you feel emotionally satisfied. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. So, my friend, before Skype or the internet or the interwebs or whatever it is, attack us again. <laughs> lose it again. Would you like to go into our movie picks? Yes, please. Okay, please. let's do it. <laughs> Jason? Yeah. What, um. what movie recommendation have you this evening? So uh, this was one of those. We haven't done many Steve Martin films. Dude, What's go, that? Go, 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 I accidentally hit a button. Start from start, <laughs> start from the top. So I'll, I'll edit that out. Okay. So uh, we haven't done many Steve Martin films. We haven't we haven't done a lot. I don't even recall if we've done another one. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't think we have remember if we have or not um we you and i have talked about him a lot uh, mm-hmm. offline if we haven't done it on here um have we done the three amigos not yet no no we need to add that to the list that's that's yeah, definitely but yeah. he's one of my favorite uh uh comedic actors i love the films he's been in and i'm even i know this is kind of weird but i love the music he does now he's mm-hmm. been much more now into uh he is a very accomplished banjo player Mm-hmm. Uh, which you get a hint of if you can go back and watch his appearance on the Muppet Show mm-hmm. back from God late seventies, early eighties, yeah, like I 77, think. 78, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but he's actually a great, great banjo player. And if you look him up, Rare Bird Alert is one of his best albums. But he does some fantastic stuff. He's very, very accomplished. But I love him as a as a comedic actor. So some of my favorite comedies have starred him. And since we haven't done many films with him in it. I couldn't pass up the chance to talk about the jerk. And to me, it's a quintessential Steve Martin movie. And I know he's done a lot of great stuff, but he actually wrote the screenplay for this. Uh, it's directed by Carl Reiner. Came out in 1979. It's, it's just a really quirky movie about a guy who's literally clueless and his, journey through the real world and it's it's funny it's um it's wrong (laughs) it's it's just um it does a great job of portraying a lot of what his early stand-up routine was like um and his early comedy but it gives you kind of a great taste of what he is but it's one of my favorite films by him bernadette peters Mm -hmm. uh stars i always Uh, always thought she was adorable oh she was always cute yeah like Um, it's, it's, it's usually adorable does not equal sexy to me like i always thought mcryan was adorable but never thought she was sexy I, something about bernadette peters and i don't know if it's a little cupie bow lips or something but yeah <laughs> yeah um maybe and in this she's definitely uh, i don't know i don't want to say caricature because i don't want to portray her that way but she almost is a caricature in this film yeah um in the way she acts but uh it's it's a hilarious movie if you haven't seen it it's an absolute classic and that movie is more uh, then 30 years old, it's it's uh, 35 ish years old. Yeah, which makes ish. me feel even older because that's my the year my sister was born, which means I have a 35 year old <laughs> sister. Oh my god, 
<laughs> so yeah, it's like 35 years old, but um, it's a fantastic, fantastic movie if you get a chance. But um, that I picked it, obviously, Steve Martin connection. So she's gonna love that I just call her 35 because technically she's not. She's born in June of 79. <laughs> You're 35. So that You're means she is 30, 35 going on 36, no. right? No, because it's, it's 2013, dude. So she'd be 34. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, but you know, it's that whole, no, I'm not 35 yet. Like, oh, yeah, 34 and a half. Yeah, and three quarters. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? The Jerk, I remember loving it. I have not, the only thing I remember about that movie is the opening and with his family. And oh, right. Him walking he, uh, down his the, adoptive family. Yes, and, yeah. and the walking down the street, I don't need nobody. I don't, I don't need, need nobody but this remote but this, control. But this thermos. Yeah. And this, and uh, this you almost could call chair. that movie The Idiot. More than the jerk. I mean, I understand he was a, a bit of a, yeah, but because I think of jerk, I think somebody who's actually usually intelligent, they're just mean and nasty, they're like mean. a, bull, like a yeah. bully. I think of a bully yeah. when I think of of a jerk, but yeah, I guess they mean it more of an idiot. Um, my favorite is when he writes the letter home yeah. uh, about his exploits and I got a job. I'm going to have a job. And whatever the girl's name who is in the, because he's working at a fair. Yeah. He's like guessing weights and he's moved up and and this girl that's a very masculine woman at the fair is kind of taking a shine to him and she says, I'm gonna have a job. It's a blow job. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. He's kind of that he it is. He's more of an an unknowing idiot. Yeah, like uh, yeah. In, yeah. Like a lovable, but, like a lovable dope. Right. But well, anyway. I think so. it's awesome that you picked that movie. <laughs> great, a great pick, my friend, and I'm not just saying that to both smoke up your butt to make a, no, really, to make up make up for the <clears throat> in- inherent douchiness that the movie picks have brought out of me since we started back on the podcast. <laughs> so good pick, uh, yeah, because you're the one that picked Gnome named Gnorm, so I've got well, all the world to, to stand fa- up. <laughs> no, no, you no, you picked it as a movie pick. I'm the jackhole that decided that'd oh, be a great true. movie to do as an entire show on. All right. So we're half and half on yeah. that. <laughs> no, I actually say I way, way more to blame than you on that one. You just made it a general movie pick. I freaking made an entire show. Oh my God. Let's not go back. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. That actually okay, expl- so- I think my douchiness really did kind of kick in after that. Maybe that's what happened. Just having Maybe exposing was, myself to that movie. So blame it on. Don't blame it on the rain. I'm blame, blame it on, on Gnorm. Gnorm. <laughs> blame it on Gnorm. Yeah, that kind of works. <laughs> make a little parody song. So <laughs> my pick for a pl- a plethora, speaking of three amigos, of uh-huh. reasons, is Summer Rental from 1985. Oh, excellent. Another John Candy flick. Yes, but you ready for Serendipity, my friend? Also yes. directed by Carl Reiner. Oh. Total quinky deek. Keep my folks. Really? Jason and I do the only thing we do when we right before we start to record, I say, What's your what year is your movie? Or he asked me, What year is your movie? And as long as they ain't the same year, we assume we got different picks. That's the only thing we yeah, do. Because we want it to be a surprise. That's the goal for each other as really? well. Really? Yep. Have we covered some No, rental? but we need to because here's why. That movie was shot in my hometown of St. Petersburg, Florida. And I remember when they were shooting I uh, a girl that I knew at the time, I was I was eighty five, so I was nine ish 10 and going on 10 i don't know because it came out in 85 so we've been shooting it probably 84 so actually now it's probably eight nine and i remember i didn't know at the time i don't think i necessarily knew who john candy was yeah but i knew they were shooting a movie it was a big deal because remember adults talking about it and i remember that a girl i knew was one of the extras on the beach because there's a scene where oh. he's walking over people and almost stepping on yeah, them and kicking yeah. sand on them accidentally as he's trying to go through. So I would lo- I haven't seen a movie in years. I'd love to go back and see if as an adult now I can recognize anything 
Because I'm, we, I don't know if they shot on St. Pete Beach or not, but I, they shot the vast majority. Like Cocoon, they shot the majority of it in that area. Oh yeah, I remember Cocoon yeah. was a big one yeah, at that time. Pete, I remember yeah. when they talked about that a lot. And that came out yeah. the same year. It took him out '85. Ugh. Are you sure we haven't covered this? Because I swear <laughs> to God, I watched this. Just I love the for fact. Podcast. I, I I love the fact that in the plane trains automobiles we're having this this exact. Yeah, no, we haven't. I know <laughs> we haven't. <laughs> Because I haven't okay. seen this movie in years and years and no. years. Yeah. But I, I've seen it relatively recently. I think we actually talked about maybe doing this, or maybe it was one of our picks, uh, because we talked about, possible, about John yeah. Candy uh, being a John Candy runner. I think maybe we talked about it as one of our picks because maybe Carrie Green was in it uh, from Goonies. Yeah, probably. Maybe that was why. Maybe it's why, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but, but it uh, had Richard Crennan, Rip Torn is oh, in man, it. Oh, man, we're going to have to do this one. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. Yeah, Joey Lawrence. That's right. He plays the He plays the son. So, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. One of the Lawrence brothers played the son to Steve Martin. Wow. Oh, how do you like this for a connection? Uh, Reiner directed it. Same one who directed The Jerk. Oh, that's right. John Larroquette's like the bad guy. Oh, we got to do yeah. this movie, dude. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Richard. Whoa. Richard, Richard Hurd. <laughs> Holy crap. Who is in planes, trains, and automobiles. Of course. That's awesome. Damn oh. it. I can't believe I haven't done This is going to have to go like early. I don't know. This, this should be a summer. Christmas. No, no, no. Yeah, no this should be a summer movie, dude. Oh yeah, this this summer this is summer school, and, and we got a couple with a couple more. Well, oh Ernest, oh, Ernest, oh I'm, I'm not gonna let the cat out of the bag. No, no, don't let it. Yeah, back. yeah, okay. I may have to edit that yeah. part out. Yeah. <laughs> so no, anyway, needless, needless to say, this will, say, this will be covered very soon. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely hit this one. Although you know uh, what, I got to be honest with you, I'm worried this movie will probably be C and D. I haven't seen it in so long. I have but, a feeling, dude. I have a feeling, but it's okay. It's we, we, the greatest year of film ever, 1985. <clears throat> yeah. That's still coming, my friend. So, which is ridiculous because I actually love most of the movies that you're going to champion. So, anyway, but the point of the matter is, Summer Rental, I probably should mention, it is about a man named Jack Chester, played by John Candy, who is an overworked air traffic controller. He takes his family on vacation to the beach. I love the IMDb synopses. They're always wonderful. <laughs> yes. Things immediately start to go wrong for the Chesters and steadily get worse. Jack ends up in a feud with a local yachtsman and has to race him to regain his pride and family's respect. Basically, it's the great outdoors on a beach. It is. It is. Except it came out before <laughs> Great Outdoors and was not written by John Hughes. No, it wasn't. So, yes, Summer Rental 1985, that is my pick. And I'm sticking oh, to good it. Good one. So, Jay? Man, we got two big winners this time. I That's think so. uh, I think fantastic. So. We had two big wieners? What? <laughs> oh, winners. You said not winners. on the show. No, yeah. Not on the show. Oh, we, well, we, I guess we. Well, it depends. Are we talking about ourselves personally? Because that might be applicable. So, Jay, before we sally forth, which I love to say in the voice of Evil Ash from Army of Darkness, sally forth, because his jaw keeps falling down. He pushes in. Sally forth. I messed up the quote. He doesn't say sally forth at the end. He says something else. He says, never mind. I'm going to cut that part out because it really completely fell flat. So, Jay, (laughs) what kind of knowledge would you like to hit them with <laughs> check us out on itunes we are there please if you have not yet go ahead and give us a rating the more ratings we get the better we place and we uh, really need ratings i think our last one was from january of 2013 so yeah. we're due for please, one if you haven't already go there and tell us what you think uh Good or bad, either way. Just as long uh, as it's five know. stars. As long as it's yes, five stars. Yes, as long as it's five stars. Um, check us out on our website. We've got lots of other articles, lots and lots of other content there at Forgotten Flicks. That's 95 uh, to 98% of it is uh, by Peter Nielsen. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> no, I, I got like five articles. Okay. I, oh, I know. You were the other 2%. Okay. Yeah. Um, check us out there. Uh, you can also uh, take place in, in uh, take part in more real time shenanigans at our Facebook group, Forgotten Flicks. Um, on Facebook, we we talk a lot about uh, other news that's coming out about '80s movies, either remakes or actors or all kinds of fun stuff on there. So check us out. Uh, if you have any any information or feedback to give us, you can also shoot us an email at for uh, uh, Forgotten Flicks at Gmail. Com. Is that the right, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I also have yeah, it set sure. up to where it's Jason at ForgottenFlix.com and Joel oh, at ForgottenFlix.com. Yeah, yeah. Forgotten either way. Stuff. It's all good. It's all good. So, so uh, Jason, 104 is in the bag. 105 is coming up. Do you want to give everybody a hint or even tell them what the what? next, the next, the first oh. in our two Christmas movie special will yeah, be? Yeah, we're, we're, we're in a bit of a Christmas mood. It's, it's, it's tis the season. Yes, it is. Uh, and of course, the 80s did not disappoint when it came to Christmas movies. And we're going to hit up one of my favorites and... Damn it, I owe you a, a, a plate of Christmas cookies for this one. But we are actually going to cover, um, which I hope, please, 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 is not a CND. Oh, it's so good, dude. <laughs> I love him, but it's got, it won't be a gnome named Gnome level of crap, but it's going to be CND. Please, Ernest Saves Christmas. Okay. Uh, we are going to yes. hit it. Um, it was Ernest was one of my favorites you know uh, as a kid. and. And little known fact, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, uh, as I recall, is Ernest Saves Christmas. Much of it was filmed in the city of Orlando, yes. uh, not far from us, um, which is a big one. And then... Do you want to say it? Well, let's save it till the end of the next episode, because that, that, that's our, actually going to be, our, a, be a Christmas Day episode. Because we, yep, we have one coming out on Christmas Day. Yes, and it is a, a, a classic, a very, very... No, we're not talking like a crazy comedy this, this is, is not christmas vacation before you say it this is not christmas vacation because i know i nope. i love that movie i watch it every year but it's not that nope it that, that's a, that's vacation. too no we're not going there nope it is uh it is enough off the beaten path yeah. you will be pleasantly pleasantly surprised or, but, yeah. or unbelievably horrified <laughs> appalled and appalled <laughs> yes <laughs> So, Jason, before we step forth, uh, getting prepared for episode 105, which will come out in two weeks from today, Christmas. what are your final words, my friend? Was that, was that seat hot or what? My ass feels like a whopper. Turn me over. I'm done. Those aren't pillows.